To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50-plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. I hope you're all doing great. So this week for us, the boys of the family are in Orlando for their vacation, while my daughter and I are doing a more tranquil type of vacation in a few weeks. So while I absolutely love my boys to pieces, and they're actually both relatively quiet, the more people we have in the house, it just means the more interactions, the more noise. Well, they're like molecules. The more densely packed they are, the more they bump into each other, the more heat they create, the more chaos they create. Just the same as humans. Noise, mess, and, well, some chaos. So... At least that is if I'm remembering my basic chemistry correctly. So my daughter and I have been marveling at the tranquility in the house. The only craziness we have is our dog. When she decides to get rambunctious or that she wants to play ball, which is almost any time we are home and trying to work or relax. Well, I'm working. My daughter doesn't. Like, actually, right now. So my daughter and I are enjoying some very connected mother-daughter time right now, which is really nice as she's now well into puberty. She's already such an amazing young person. She's happy, super polite, kind. Um, We actually took our dog to the lagoon a couple days ago. We took a double kayak with the dog in the middle. Um, Kind of a silly story, but as soon as we got out away from the shore, the dog jumped out of the boat and started to doggy paddle back to shore and pull the boat back to shore. 
So the worker had to uh, come around to the dock because the dock runs out, you know, away from the shoreline. And he came out to the end of the dock and he's like, come over here. And so we came over there and we had a, a life vest on the dog. She's a very strong swimmer, but I wanted her to have it just in case. And I'm really glad we did because it has a handle on the back. And he was able to just pick her up, put her on the dock. And she's big. She's about 65 pounds. Picked her up, put her on the dock. And then he uh, got her back on the boat. And uh, she was a little anxious. But um, but other than that, she really did enjoy that that um, adventure once she got settled into it. But it was kind of a silly, crazy um, memory that my daughter and I will always share together with our crazy little dog. So, and then uh, yesterday, I took my daughter to meet some friends of mine that um, I was um, I knew when I lived here before. I mean, I still know them, obviously, but they're friends from when I lived in San Diego, San Diego before 18 years ago. So they met her and uh, her brothers also when she and her twin brother were only about seven or eight months old. So anyway, it was really nice for uh, for them to see her and to see them again. So, and to be getting out and getting to see some people a little bit. Um, tonight we plan to go watch the sunset at the beach, just Taylor and I. And then next week I'm going to take her to the zoo. So we're just having a really nice girl's time. I'm just so grateful for this time. I love time alone with each of my kids, just getting to spend some time with them. It's it's really special. And, and my oldest seems to get the most of it because he seems to do the most, um, just gets a little bit older and always seems to want to come whenever I go shopping. So he gets more of that one-on-one time. And so it's nice to have this with my daughter. Okay. A quick couple updates before I get to the topic. The first is I am finally getting back to putting videos up on the YouTube channel. I'm so excited. So, um, you can see those at the Your Village YouTube channel. So it's just their quick tips, like three to five minutes long. And then I also have, um, like I've mentioned before, a couple of the classes are actually out there also. If you want to see those, One, Two, Three Magic is out there and Intro to Discipline, I believe, is out there. There might be another one. I can't remember. And then for the book, I'm just waiting for the final chapters and the table of contents and the edits that I sent to the designer, which I just sent her some very minimal uh, adjustments for the edits. So I hope I will get to see the next draft. Um, I'm expecting in the next week. She's really done an amazing job. So... And she actually works extremely hard and extremely fast. I'm sure she'll send it as soon as she can. Um, I did put up screenshots of the first page of each of the chapters that she has done so far or sent to me so far. And they are—they look really nice. So I'm excited to see the rest of it and share those on Instagram as well. But if you want to see those, you can go to ironmom2020 on Instagram. Okay, so I happened to look at the podcast reviews uh, earlier this week and I saw one where the reviewer was very appreciative of the information. She said some very nice things, um, but she also wished for more content about older kids. And I love sharing and talking about any age of kids. Um, The entire developmental process, the uniqueness of each parent-child connection, because each parent is unique, each child is unique, and it leaves us with these billions of potentially amazing and equally challenging situations and combinations. So I welcome questions from parents of kids of any age. Um, I just answer the questions I receive and most of them just happen to be from parents of toddlers and preschoolers. Um, Maybe partially because that's what I get. That's what people send more of. Um, But also it's just a time. There's a lot of growth, social, emotional skills, which are just, um, you know, something 
a little bit foreign, I think, to most of us to really kind of dig down deep into this social, emotional, the emotional skills. Um, you know, emotion skills, I think, are something that even as adults, we uh, struggle with to some degree. And so, or we just, you know, we all need to work on. Uh, just it's a constant skill to be working on. And so um, to just really break it down to the basic level and work with our toddlers and understand where they're coming from, it's just a time of, of a lot of um, working through some of those basic skills that aren't quite as easy as teaching toothbrushing or some of those other things. So, you know, and then they all come into play into that, that, um, you know, push for independence and the, and them working on emotion skills and the development of their brain so they can have better emotion skills just come into play in all those times of days, like getting ready in the morning and the bedtimes and the potty training. So, we know these can just be uh, more challenging times for a lot of parents, but you know sometimes the struggles can act, these same struggles can stretch into a little older, ages six and seven, depending on the combination of parent temperament, child temperament, um, just the the overall situation going on um, in the home, and all kinds of other things. They can lead to some kids struggling for longer. But middle childhood, ages six to ten, can have its own challenges. So today I thought I'd talk about what we're moving towards. Um, because in those years, after we've built that foundation during the early years, ages one to five, that basic understanding, um, the strong connection, setting a precedence of mutual respect, better emotion skills and social skills, and they're coming on board, you know, they're not perfect. Um, there's definitely some improvements that are going to continue through the following years. But, you know, once we have that down, what are we working on next? What's happening? Um, so... I think this topic is helpful, not just for parents with kids in that age range, but as a prologue for what to expect, like what it is that you're working on. It's kind of the first step or the foundation that you're going to build on. So what's going to come next? What's coming on top of that? And, you know, it's like watching a house get built and it just gets more and more exciting as you see, um, you know, your children are all unique. And so you're, you're building that foundation, but you can't really quite tell what the house is going to look like. And so in this middle childhood age, you're starting to get a glimpse of what their unique talents and personalities are that they bring. And they're just so fun and amazing to watch them develop. And you do see some of that in toddlerhood too, but you really start to see it take shape. So I'm going to talk about what we're working on in these middle childhood years. Now, I want to talk just a second about ease or difficulty of each of the stages because, you know, toddlerhood, preschool years um, tend to be difficult for a lot of us, a lot of adults, mostly because of just our understanding, because our brains are so far developed beyond our children in some ways, um, socially, emotionally, we have a lot more control, um, a lot more ability to maintain our cool. Um, and yet, you know, children have this creative um, side to them that that hasn't been tampered down by life. And so to watch them engage in creative types of play and problem solving is, you know, something we definitely could do more in adulthood and learn from them. And, and so, you know, if we can help them grow up and not lose that, that's amazing. But Outside of that fact, it just tends to be a more difficult time for a lot of us because we're really helping little people who are um, don't quite have all of what they need to be able to handle those big emotions. And so it can feel a little overwhelming. Like how are we, we're trying to reason with the unreasonable, it feels like sometimes. So that part of it just makes it more difficult. But 
I've sometimes seen parents say things to other parents of toddlers who were like, I've had such a rough day, you wouldn't believe, you know, all the, you know, I mean, we've all, when we have toddlers, we know like the one thing after the other after the other where you just don't get to sit down all day and it's like poopy diapers and spilled milk and, you know, meltdowns and the dog getting peanut butter on the, they get peanut butter on the dog, whatever, you know, goes one thing to the other to the like dominoes, they all fall down one after the other. And parents of tweens and teens will sometimes pipe up and and talk about how difficult the teenage years are and how it's worse. And, you know, I just don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, There are some difficult things about adolescence for sure, Um, but it isn't necessarily bigger kids, bigger problems. You know, when we lay this solid foundation during toddlerhood and then we help them build on it during the middle childhood years, the adolescent years, there are challenges, of course there are, um, you know, and there are things when they get into friendships and, you know, um, academics and struggling with a teacher that they're not getting along with or with a friend that they're not getting along with or some big project that they just don't even know how to approach. Um, but in my experience so far is toddlerhood really was the most exhausting time for me. You know, day after day, constant need for me to do everything for them. I had to be up with them when they were awake, 6 a.m. and not getting a break until about 8 p.m. You know, two hours to myself, an hour and a half in the evening, which the first part of that was usually spent kind of cleaning up, tidying up, um, maybe having a conversation with my spouse for a few minutes before I'd flop into bed at 9.30 or 10 and start all over again. You know, it was nonstop. And yeah, I had three kids 20 months apart, you know, three in diapers at the same time and toddler and two infants and then three toddlers. It was exhausting. But, you know, now my kids are really self-sufficient. And um, because they've had all this groundwork, they really are very um, emotionally competent and pretty emotionally intelligent and still something we work on continually. You know, a couple times a week, we'll butt up against something where we need to sit down and talk about it and coach and do some of those things. But, um, you know, they get along really well with each other. They bicker a little bit here and there um, that we work with them on, or sometimes we let them go and work it out depending on how they're doing with it. But, um, you know, they're just really amazing at taking care of themselves now. I don't need to get up with them first thing in the morning. And, you know, they get up and they take care of themselves and they entertain themselves and they get their breakfast if they're hungry. And, you know, I check in on them, make sure they're doing eating something healthy because we're still, you know, did you have a fruit or a vegetable that needs to be done with every meal? So there's still some check-ins with that. Um, they put themselves to bed. You know, we tell them good night, we hug, we snuggle, um, but, you know, when I say it's bedtime, they get themselves ready, they, they come in, they give me a hug, um, we sit and chit-chat, and then they go off to bed. They can make their own meals. Um, I do still make them lunch. Ever since COVID, we've just kind of done family lunch. But um, my oldest used to pack his own lunch for school, and once school starts up again, all three of them are going to be packing their own lunches. So it's just, um, you know, I find parenting easier now, especially physically, than it was when they were younger. Also, it's given me huge opportunities to pursue a lot of my own interests, which I never could have done when they were little. It just wasn't something I could do. I mean, you know, I'd put them in the triple wide stroller and go for a jog, sure, you know, but, you know, I'd end up with one kid grabbing the other kid's hair sometimes, and it just was not fun or easy or relaxing by any means. And so I'd do what I could to get out. But, you know, now that they're so self-sufficient, I can go out and hike for a couple hours. I can go, um, you know, with my daughter, go do horseback riding. It really is a lot easier for me 
in my experience now that they're older. Um, and I do have two in puberty. We, um, the oldest 12 is definitely, you know, well, they both are. My daughter and my son are definitely in the midst of puberty. So far, pretty smooth sailing. My daughter can be a little moody. Um, you know, and I'm sure there'll be some things with friends and, you know, um, navigating some of those types of things and goals with careers and colleges and that type of stuff. But, um, you know, even my 12-year-old son, he's very, very happy. He's a very happy child. He has, um, he's just silly and he's goofy, kind of drives the other kids crazy a little bit with that. But I'd much prefer that than somebody moody. So, so far we've really had an, um, a really, you know, relatively smooth time through early, these early adolescent years. So um, more to come, right? <laughs> So, you know, the older they get, the more responsible they get. And so far, the easier it has gotten. And I'm sure they will make some not so good decisions. I'm sure I'll be disappointed in some of their decision-making skills. I'm sure we'll have some heart-to-heart talks about those choices too. But there is so much that we can do to set our kids up to minimize and avoid a lot of the struggles that commonly befall these later parenting years when we um, allow our kids to take on more responsibility and practice when they're younger, they get really good at that decision-making and um, and independence pretty early on. And it's really uh, amazing and a really fun thing to see. So the things that you're doing now, whether you have toddlers or you have like middle childhood, five to 10 years old, all the things I cover in the podcast, all the uh, you know episodes, the guiding them to develop good emotional competence, teaching and guiding how to engage in positive communication in age-appropriate ways, of course, setting and holding solid boundaries, good bedtimes, um, you know, good mealtime schedules, social interactions, when and how they can ask you for help, all while engaging in and expecting this respectful exchange and to bring back to that when there is not such a respectful exchange, going back to that, modeling that, of course, and then bringing them back to that. They're all going a long way in raising children who are very competent earlier in life. So if the toddler years are for setting up solid schedules and routines, both physical and emotional health and well-being, like sleeping and eating, creating safe but open opportunities for creative play, building a foundation for these emotional and social skills, what's next? Well, of course there's a continuation of this because the development isn't a stair-step process. It's not like, oh, they're done with that (laughs) development and then you're moving on to the next thing. It's not one and then the other. It's more of a gradual kind of building over time. So emotion skills will continue to develop throughout the entirety of childhood and even into adulthood and beyond. And actually, I talked about that last week in last week's episode. So if you haven't listened to that, you can go back and listen to episode 245 because I delve into this emotional development throughout childhood and even into adulthood and some of the things that I am still working on for myself to just get better and better at managing my own emotions. So, you know, our children, when coached, supported, modeled good emotional competence throughout their early years and um, their own emotional competence will be pretty well developed by about nine years old, as will their sense of empathy. So during these years from five and beyond, you know, meltdowns and big emotions over those smaller things will pretty much be a thing of the past. And as I always share, all kids are different and will develop at different rates. So if your child is still having some intermittent struggles, it's not outside the range of normal to have a child who's five or six or seven and have 
a meltdown here and there. Um, to just kind of get overwhelmed, whether they're tired or there's just a lot of stuff going on in their life or they're just hungry, uh, whatever is going on, to just have a meltdown every now and again. However, if you are having a six or seven-year-old and they're having daily meltdowns, then this is an area I want to address. Take a deeper look at it. And there can be a lot of contributing factors to that, way more than I can go into here. That's a whole like separate issue. Um, but that's just to give you an idea of what you should be experiencing and expecting as far as emotional awareness and competence as we move into this middle childhood range. So five, six, and on. We're using solid communication. We're modeling how to communicate. We're coaching how to communicate well. This really helps your child get to that level of solid emotional intelligence and competence that makes the second half of this parenting journey much, much smoother. So what do I mean by modeling and coaching good communication? What's good communication? I'm going to get into that, the tools you will want to model and teach and how to use them, along with another big area that you will be focusing on during these middle childhood years, right after a word from our sponsors. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories including accessories, outerwear, and blazers, just to name a few. With Armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash parenting. That's armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. 
Visit HomeThreads.com slash parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's HomeThreads.com slash parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. HomeThreads, love where you live. Now that we're back, I'm going to share a couple of great tips for modeling and coaching great communication along with the other big area of focus during the middle childhood years. First, sometimes our tone and the way we present things can make a huge difference. It can turn a child who doesn't want to listen or engage into one who will sit up and take note. Now, this is for, I mean, this is for uh, preschoolers too, but you know, there's some children middle childhood who just like to tune out. They're more prone to tune out. Um, And the way that we handle things previously will either increase or decrease the level at which or the degree to which they engage in this type of behavior. So, you know, some kids can be difficult to want to open up and listen to the messages that we want to share with them. Again, some kids more than others, based on temperament, based on previous experiences, they can get tired of feeling like they're being lectured at. Some kids really don't like being told what to do. Now, this is my daughter. She just does not like anyone telling her what to do, even the most benign thing. She has gotten a lot better at it um, because there are ways to circumvent these issues. But it's like as soon as you, you know, have them do something or direct them to do something, they just dig in and they're just, they feel like they're being put upon. Um, So there's some ways around this. The first one is you want to coach. So it's more like a conversation, a dialogue, and keep it from feeling like a lecture. Um, So one of the ways to do this is connect with the feeling first, rather than launching right into what they did wrong and, or what they could do better next time. When we do that, when we go right to you hit your sister, this is what I need to do next time, or what can you do better next time? We glossed right over why it happened. And it starts to feel more like a lecture, they don't feel heard, they don't feel like you've connected. And so until they're, they feel validated, they're just, there's no room for them to take in what we're trying to tell them what, you know, how to do better and how to react better. Because they have to, to connect with the feeling first understand that, oh, that's what that feeling is. That's coming up, that anger, that frustration, and it builds, and then I react. They have to connect with that, feel heard, feel understood, and then they're able to move towards, okay, when I feel that, here's what I could do the next time. So connecting with the feeling, you wanna state what you see and let your child fill in the rest. I notice you're struggling to keep your hands to yourself. Can you tell me what's going on? Or I notice you're struggling to use your words calmly or to use gentle hands. Whatever it is that you're seeing, just state what you're seeing. Some kids are fine if you label the emotion. It looks like you're frustrated. It looks like you're angry. Um, And then why? You know, your sister just grabbed the toy from you. It looks like you're angry and grabbed it back. Um, They're okay with that. Some kids are okay with that. Some kids just will push back. They'll shut down. I talked about that in last week's episode. It's, you know, and then it's hard to get in there. So if you're having, if you have a child like that, if they're just not interested in connecting with the feelings or hearing you label their feelings, um, then you can just, I notice that dot, dot, dot. Um, and so a lot of times this will happen. That shutdown is because they feel like there's a, a lecture that's about to follow. So they just, there's so much about that connection, about connecting on a level, um, not having our own agenda on that. Like, I want to get right to telling them what to do better. But 
I, I, I call it surgery. It kind of is like surgery. It's really like doing that prep work, setting it up really solidly, crossing your T's and dotting your I's, like really making sure all of that, their basic need, their basic need to feel connection and feel understood is met before we try to do any kind of teaching. Otherwise it just backfires. So after they share, and you can use emotion words without pinning it to your child in that moment. So you might want to say something like, you know, once they share, like, you know, whatever happened. Um, yeah, that sounds very frustrating. So you're not saying you were frustrated or I can tell you were frustrated. That sounds frustrating. Or I can see how that could be very frustrating. I can see how, you know, I would feel hurt if that happened to me too. Using that empathy to connect opens the door for your child to share more because they act out when they're feeling hurt, angry, put out, ignored, etc. Um, so allowing the safe place to share those feelings is key. It is this first step. There has to be a safe place to share those feelings and not always feel like I'm doing something wrong. I know I just hit my sister. I know I'm not supposed to. I keep doing it. I, you know, it's connecting with the feeling is really the key to that, to getting over that hump so that they are then able to connect with their feeling. Here's that feeling again. I'm getting too angry. I need to. Um, and then they learn to pull themselves back. And then this is where we work on that feelings are valid. All feelings are valid but not all reactions are. And that we wanna help them find a better reaction, whether it's name calling, yelling out loudly, running away, um, screaming, you know, physically reacting, whatever it is. This keeps the exchanges more like a dialogue than like a one-sided lecture. So asking, what can I do to help you find a different way to handle this? What do you need from me? Um, it invites your child to problem solve. It lets her be a part of the solution. So if she isn't sure how, what kind of help she needs, then you can offer, but you've given her the chance first. You know what I think? How about if when you feel yourself getting too upset, you do, you know, X, you go over to the couch and punch the pillow, you couch a three, you, and our big thing was you come ask me for help. This was our big go-to when the kids were younger. Many times kids don't have the tools for conflict resolution and it can key up and key up. So you know, even at seven or eight. So if they're getting too heated, they're, they need our help. Now at four, three and four, when you hear that they're starting to key up, you get in there right away. When they're seven or eight, you can let it go because sometimes they'll work right through it. It'll sound like it's getting heated and then they'll break right through it. But you can give it a little more time because they're not as reactionary. They're not going to as often lash out and hit or throw something at their sibling. So you can give it a little bit more time. You can see what they come up with. And, um, but if you hear that it's getting heated and it's not coming back down, then you can step in. But also at this age, they're great at coming to get you for help. So, and even at four, my kids were pretty good at this most of the time. They would come get me for help. Any younger than that, it's, it, it's we gotta jump in there. But at four, they can start to come get you. Seven and, eight, seven and eight and on, they're really good at it at that point before they react. So if they, learn their own sort of line. When they feel like they're about to cross their own line, their sibling isn't listening or backing down and they're starting to get more and more upset, they reach out for help. So yeah, this saved us a lot of outbursts in our house and they would just come and say, I need your help. You know, I'm, we're not coming to an agreement. They didn't say that, that's a big statement. They didn't say we're not coming to an agreement, but they were like, she's not listening to me and I don't know what else to do and I've used my words and I need your help. And I'd come in and we'd help, I'd help them negotiate and work through those types of things. 
Okay, so the second thing is the tone that we use. So if we're coaching in a way that's a conversation and it's a dialogue and not a lecture, then when we need to have a serious conversation, they're a lot more open to it. You know, saying something like, you're not in trouble. You haven't done anything wrong. I just need to share something with you that's important that's important for me to help keep you safe. So whether we need to tell them about not running into the street after a ball or about grandpa being sick or any other type of serious conversation, when we sit down and we have that serious tone and that serious look in our eye, the reaction isn't like, oh my gosh, here she goes again, she's gonna lecture me. Um, they know like, oh, she has something important to tell me right now. And then they don't get silly and they don't cover their ears. They don't try to avoid the conversation and run around and be silly or just like, I don't want to hear it and run away. Um, because they assume a lecture is on the horizon. They know that we're going to have a conversation. Another tip, and this is a, another tip about tone and wording. Letting your kids know that what you are doing is out of love. So I have started so many conversations with my kids with just that. How when I push them to do something or try something that it's out of love, it's because my job is to help them become the best version of themselves. That I never do anything out of spite or to be mean or to wield power. You know, I remember saying to my son, he was so upset with me. He just felt like I was being mean about something. I was probably asked him to unload the dishwasher or something. This was many, many years ago. Um, you know, it might've been about homework. I don't know. It was something. And I was like, do you think I want to see you upset? And do you think I'm trying to be mean on purpose? And they have so many interactions with me that they know that's just not where it comes from. And because of that, it's made them into such cooperative kids and they never get upset with us about having to empty the dishwasher anymore. At the beginning, it was a little bit of a, a fight. And I remember just like, listen, my job is to help you grow up to become a very competent human being. And part of that competence is knowing how to do these basic skills like wash dishes and unload a dishwasher and cook a meal. And I'm like, there's so much more stuff you're going to have to learn. This is some basic stuff. So this is why we do this. It's teaching you how to be responsible for yourself. When you live on your own, who's going to empty your dishwasher? I'm not coming over to do it. So having those conversations in a, in a way that's you know, let's get to the crux of the matter. Let's really talk about what's happening rather than just like, I asked you to do the dishwasher, get it done now. Um, you know, coming in from a place of love that this is something you need to learn and it will save so many years of, you know, butting heads over doing things because they understand why. And then of course, when there's something new they need to learn, sometimes we, ha we have that conversation again about growing and becoming more responsible and learning more skills. But it really helps them understand that, oh, she really does love me. She really wants me to learn how to do these things. It's, and they understand it. You know, kids are amazing when they understand it from that perspective that they don't just feel like they're being put upon. They don't feel like they're just being, you know, child labor. <laughs> they understand that it's, they're there to also help run the household, that it takes a lot to run the household. And that when they're adults, they're going to have to do all of that. And they actually appreciate it. They appreciate that we're teaching them these things. We appreciate, they want to be more responsible. They want to grow up. You know, they're in such a hurry to grow up. Well, part of growing up means unloading a dishwasher. So anyway, long tangent on that. Okay, so the last tip on communication is using and coaching I messages. When we are hurt, when we're angry, when we're upset, 
we want to use I messages. So we're going to model it and then we're going to teach our children how to use it when they are using a different language. So I'm going to go over this here. I feel X because Y. Something like, I feel hurt because the house is still a mess and I asked for help an hour ago. I work very hard to do my best to take care of everyone. So when I ask for help with something, I expect to be taken seriously. Now, if I said that to my kids, they would jump up off the couch. I'm so sorry, mama. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And they would jump right to it. So the other part is we're keeping it global and passive. So the sentence I just shared, I didn't say, um, I'm hurt and angry because you didn't clean up the house when I asked you to. When I asked you to help. Because when we're switching into blame and pointing fingers, it tends to put people on the defensive. Now, it takes a little bit of thought, like stepping back for a second. How can I say this in a way that is global and passive? And it takes some practice. But once you get that practice, once you work on it, um, and you want to pull back and be in a calm state before we react and start yelling and getting upset about nobody's helping clean up the house. But, um, you know, when we step back into that calm state, figure out how to make the statement um, and practice it a few times, it does come much, much easier. So then you're going to coach that. So you use that when you um, share your feelings with your kids, with your family, but then you also coach that for your children. So, you know, when they are blaming each other or getting upset with each other or upset with you and using you messages, you didn't do this or you didn't do that or, you know, or you did do this or you did do that, you can coach them how to use an I message with that. I'm feeling upset because I wanted to, whatever, you know, go to the store with you today and um, we haven't gone yet, something like that. You can coach them through that. I'm hurt because we plan to play a game together and we still haven't played. When are we going to play together? So coaching them to use um, the I messages, rather than them using you messages. You promised you would play a game with me. You're always breaking your promises. So you're coaching them towards the I messages with that. Okay, the other area we're really working on in this age range is building independence and responsibility. Now, this is a big topic on what skills by age we they can handle, what they can be working on, what they can be learning at each age, how to get a child from being completely dependent as a toddler to fully ready to take on life's responsibilities at 18, outside of being fully financially independent. So how to manage car maintenance, balancing a checking account, setting a budget, staying on budget, understanding credit cards and interest, um, even working on teaching them about investments, planning, shopping, and making a meal. There's so much to all of this. And by 18, they should know how to manage all of that, even if they aren't bringing in all the money to pay for it all themselves, even if they are going off to college, they're living in the dorms. Um, and so they're basically eating at, you know, at the cafeteria all the time. But just to know how to make a meal and how to plan and do all that, because once they get out, they will. Once they get into their own apartment after a year or two, they will be doing all that. Some kids may go right into an apartment and living on their own. And um, and so just so they know and have all of those skills, they can appreciate what it takes to do all of that. Since they know what car maintenance averages each month, haircuts, clothing, car insurance. So that's why by about 10, if they can manage their own daily schedule, their own breakfasts and lunches, hygiene, 
daily routines and are mostly responsible for their own homework and study habits. And you're honing those. So you're working on all of those, fine tuning those, making sure that, you know, they're doing a good job with all of those things and kind of, um, kind of filing down the edges of the things where they're still struggling. Um, so that you're getting that done by 10 and 12, then you're in a place where you're starting to help them to be ready for understanding financial responsibilities, responsibilities for their choices and actions, whether they forget to pay their cell phone bill when they're 15 or they lose their jock strap for their sport, that they know they are responsible for the consequences of that, meaning they don't pay their phone bill on time, then the phone is turned off for a few days until they get the bill paid or they have to replace their missing piece of sports equipment with their own money. It's part of growing into a responsible adult. So we're bridging that then in those years um, because we're not gonna run and pay their cell phone bill when they're 18 and 19 and 20. We're not gonna replace stuff if they lose it when they're 18 or 19 or 20. So you know, these are the things that they're learning in those teenage years. So we're bridging this piece between toddlerhood to really teaching a lot of responsibility in um, in the adolescent years. So we're filling in that gap right in between there during these years. So we're also continuing working on emotional competence, working on iMessages, working on you know really good communication skills, um, which also helps them handle those bumps in the road of life when they lose something, when they get into a car accident, when... Um, you know, they're running late, their car breaks down, whatever happens, you know, they're really struggling in a class at school. Um, They can take responsibility much better, responsibility for the choices they made that may have led to something that happened or, um, you know, how they can take some response, how they can then work to do better the next time. If they're not doing well in a class, how can I get myself to a place where I'm doing better in this class, where I'm learning the material? What do I need to do? Do I need to go in and see my teacher? They're just becoming super responsible kids who are like, I want to do better. I need to figure out what I need to do to do better. And so by the time they're 18, they are solid. They're solid. They're responsible. They take responsibility and they um, are just ready to deal with most of life's challenges Um, and most of life's responsibilities. And we're always there for them, of course, not to bail them out, but to listen, to help them problem solve. We will be there for them beyond 18, of course. And, and, you know, for most of us financially, we'll be there for them beyond 18 through the college years. So if you want to dig into any of these topics more deeply, two classes I really love are Raising Responsible Kids, and that covers the things that you can begin to work on from around age three all the way through adolescence, skills they should have by age and ways to guide your child in making good responsible choices. Also teaching a growth mindset, which guides our kids how to be resilient and problem solve when they have a perceived failure, don't hit the mark they had set for themselves, how do they pick themselves up, dust themselves off, figure out how to improve. Also discipline tools for toddlers, preschoolers, school age, and tweens and teens is just, it's a kind of a process. So they each have the tools for each age group and how they will kind of flow from one to the other. So that by the time you have a tween and teen, that class is talking about all the issues you're likely to come up against, how to handle each of those, their clothing choices, piercings and tattoos, friendships and romance, um, just a ton of topics in that class. So these classes are a progression of discipline strategies throughout childhood. All of these and the 60 plus classes can be found on demand on the website, yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. 
Thanks for listening and see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.